In preparing for this last installment of this series on margin, I thought about this week in America how much we love our personal space, don't we? We really do. I mean, we can't deny it. We do. We're known for that. And we like our space. So uh, probably those of you that came in here today probably didn't sit next to somebody at first that you didn't know. Why? Because we like our space, right? We want our space. Americans are known for our space. We love our personal bubble, right? Like, don't get in my personal bubble. It's like somebody that stands so close to you when they're talking, like, I can smell your breath. You're so close to me, right? I mean, they're just right up in there. Do you have somebody like that? Point at them right now. No, don't do that. Um, you're kind of like, whoa, man, you're in my bubble. You know, this is weird. And, uh, but we are known, you know, in America, in church growth metrics, we are known to, uh, in the church realm, when it's 80% full, it's 100% full. That's what it's known like in America. At our previous church, um, we were talking one day in staff meeting about our vans and 15 passenger vans and uh, like how many we really do fit in those. And, you know, as Americans, we really do fit 15 people in a 15 passenger van. Well, one of our pastors on staff was Pastor Paul I, who we support here in missions as well. And he's from Vietnam. And he said, well, you know, in Vietnam, you know, a 15-passenger van, we fit 30 Vietnamese inside of a 15-passenger van because that's just how we do it. Isn't it amazing on cultures how different we are as well? Just walk through the mall in D.C. and figure that out really quick, right? You see different cultures coming together, personal space and boundaries, or the lack thereof. We as Americans like our personal space. Like here's the boundary line maybe for many of you. How many of you like don't eat, you're like don't even talk to me until after I have my first cup of coffee? Yes, I see that hand. Some of you are like don't talk to me until I have my first cup of coffee and my bowel movement and then I'm better, right? Some of you are like, I feel a whole lot better from that point on after, and I'm good to go. I feel a lot more free, and I am not bound, I'll tell you that. All right. I threw that one in there, like it or not. So uh, in life, there's all kinds of boundaries that we have. You know, it really is true that we should abide by those boundaries spiritually, physically, emotionally. We just talked about some physical things there, physical world. There's even boundaries in sports. We realize that. You played a sport. You're watching sports. You realize there's boundary lines. Like, I'll never forget the first time I played golf. And uh, as I played it and just coming in, I was like, man, you know, here's the tee box and, and teeing off. And here it is, this wide open fairway in front of me. And I'm thinking, man, you know, how hard can it be? And I think I lost five golf balls on the first hole, you know, the first time I did that. You you know, you just lose so many because there's, there's, there's obstacles to the right and there's obstacles to the left and could be water, could be trees, could be the tall grass. It's so true. You know, a little ball, a big club, and a wide fairway, how hard can it be? But it really is hard, that's for sure. For those of you that have played the game, it's, that's, that's for sure. Yet the greatest player in the world, Tiger Woods, can only do that a little more than half the time. Matter of fact, 55% of the time, to be exact, that he can hit it right down the middle. Now, that's a pro. Sometimes the toughest place to put the ball is in the middle, but it's the most rewarding place for it to be to play the game successfully. And uh, we know that there's obstacles all the way around us. And you know, the out of bounds is normally marked by a white stake or something that says, hey, if you go beyond this point, 
it's going to be a problem for you, and it's going to cost you. It can cost a professional uh, a game and possibly millions of dollars. So life is like golf in many ways. Success is determined by knowing where the boundaries are in our lives. It really is true. Both penalty and punishment await if you go beyond them, such as they're so built into the fabric of our life that we realize the world we live in, a successful CEO can go to prison for crossing financial boundaries. A United States president can be impeached by going beyond legal boundaries. A marriage can be destroyed by a spouse crossing boundaries. We're continuing this series on margin that we've said today and have said throughout this series again that it is the space between my load and my limit. Every one of us have a load and a limit in our lives, and that is margin. And I want to speak to you today about boundaries that I think go so well with this area of margin. How do you set margins in your life? And I'm going to be taking some material out of the book Boundaries by John Townsend and Henry Cloud. How many of you have ever read the book Boundaries? Can I see your hands? Could you lift it up really high? And not, not too many of you, but more uh, than the other service today. But what I want to just share with you, this is a great book for you to pick up and for you to read. It Boundaries, when to say yes and how to say no to take control of your life, getting back to control that God wants you to have. How do you stay in bounds? How do you stay in bounds in your daily living to get the maximum amount of success out of it? So here's some keys. Before I want to get there, I want to say here's a key takeaway, three words. Boundaries bring blessings. Can you say that with me? Boundaries bring blessings blessings. Here's the 3D of boundaries. Number one, determine that you are going to have boundaries in your life, that you and I have to set boundaries in our life. Nobody will set it for you. You're going to have to do that. First of all, let me kind of define that as we look at the word boundary. In real estate, a boundary is a property line that marks the personal property of an individual or business and separates the property from anyone else's. In our lives, a boundary is a personal line that marks the yes side of our lives and the no side of our lives. They keep us in balance in an out-of-balance world, as well as they keep us inside bounds. Boundaries are the key to so many good things in our lives. If you look at it, they're the key to good relationship. They're the key to good finances. They're to the key to great spiritual walk with God. They're the key to stewardship and productivity. It goes on and on and on. If we have good boundaries, we're going to have a successful life before God. Just like boundaries, they define property. They also define us as people in a very real sense. It shows me where I end and where somebody else begins. I mean, that's a great thing. And uh, you think in so many times, if you, and I've talked to people before, we think many times, well, if there's a boundary that I create in my life, many people say, well, that limits me. Have you ever heard that before? Well, if I have boundaries, it, can't, it limits me. I can't do what I want to do. And what I want to say and what we need to understand is boundaries aren't there to limit us. They're there to free us and who God has called us to be. They're actually freeing. If we'll look at it that way, if I know where my yard begins and where it ends, that's a great thing in knowing, and it creates freedom. 
We need to understand that. Boundaries show us that what we're responsible for and what we're not responsible for. I think that's a great thing as well. It helps us define what is on our property and what is not on our property. They let us know that I am responsible to other people for my actions, but I'm not responsible for other people and their actions. If you believe that, say yes. You and I are responsible for our actions to other people. You and I are not responsible for other people's actions. That's a bad place to be. There's not much margin there. People whose time is out of control, they inconvenience others whether they mean to or not. Here's a couple of things would get people out of balance and out of the boundaries when it comes to time or the things that they take on in their lives. Number one, omnipotence. That they, these people have unrealistic expectations, somewhat grandiose of what they can accomplish in a given amount of time. They are always the ones that are saying, no problem, I'll do it. That's their motto. Do you know them? You know, you know them, that they're the people that say, no problem, I can do it. I can take it on. I can do it all. Listen, we've talked in this series about this. God has placed limits on us. He's inbuilt inside of our lives. So listen, if you and I are unlimited, there's no need for God, right? We need God because we are limited. He is unlimited, and he is omnipotent. Number two, over-responsibility for the feelings of others. Have you ever gone there before? Like you're trying to be responsible for everybody's feelings around you? Um, they, and so what happens is they think that leaving a party too early will cause their friend to feel abandoned rather than setting a boundary. Number three, lack of realistic anxiety. They live so much in the present that they neglect to plan ahead for traffic, parking the car, or getting ready for the day, or whatever it may be. Number four, rationalization. They minimize the distress and inconvenience that others must put on them because of their lateness. They think, they're my friends, and they'll just understand. And the person with undeveloped time, self-boundaries, ends up frustrating not only others, but himself. That's so true. Do you know that God is a God of boundaries? Sometimes we don't think of that, but we look at his word and we draw that out very easily. In, in the very beginning, he created a boundary to Adam and Eve when he said to them in the Garden of Eden that there was this one tree, right? The one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says, you cannot touch that tree. He was creating a boundary. Now, this tree over here, the tree of life, that is yours. That's for sure. You can have that. But that one is a no. So you and I get to choose on a daily basis, but God says there's a boundary here. How many of you know the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have boundaries? Did you know that? That there are three distinct persons in one, but the Bible shows us they have distinct personalities and giftings. God is the one that created that. That's amazing. The Ten Commandments are boundaries. The great pastor and orator that has now passed on into heaven, Dr. Adrian Rogers, used to say, that when God says, thou shalt not, he is simply saying, don't hurt yourself. When God says, thou shalt, he is simply saying, help yourself to happiness. I love that. Isn't that great? There's the thou shalt nots and the thou shalts that God has put in our lives for a reason, because they're boundaries. You know, the truth is, boundaries 
are what God created, even right down to our skin. That your skin and my skin hold in our organs, the blood, the things that are in there that are so viable, our bones. And it keeps those things on the inside of us, but also it helps reject the things that come against us as well. Skin is a very basic form of a boundary that God has put within us. But you and I have to determine that we're going to have boundaries. Number two, develop your boundaries. Henry Cloud said this in the book, insanity is genetic, you inherit it from your kids. How many of you know that to be true, right? Insanity is genetic, you inherit it from your kids. What we have to know is boundaries are not inherited, they are built. They are developed. And so if we're going to be well-rounded and adjusted, morally clean, God-fearing people that God wants us to be, then even from early childhood, we need to learn how to set proper boundaries. And there's two stories in the Bible that I want to look at today that I know you know well if you've been in the church long enough or have read God's Word that tell us the boundaries of their life. If you picture this as a fairway, And where we need to go, imagine on the one side that there is water, it's out of bounds. Imagine on the other side, there's swamp, there's the high grass, it's out of bounds. And as we move this into our life, in the fairway, the out of bounds are marked on one side by the will of God, and it's marked on the other side by the word of God. And in your life, if you cross one of these lines, you and I will be out of bounds very quickly. The first man is Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me, how he, as a young man, set boundaries for his life. And let me give you a background of the story. It was about 605 B.C., the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem, and after they conquered the city, they, they handpicked some of the best and the brightest teenagers and deported them to Babylon so they could learn Babylonian culture and become Babylonian citizens. And a young man named Daniel, was amongst the group, and they began to teach him a new language. They gave him even a new name in the culture, and were trying, in effect, to brainwash him into the new culture of thinking. But Daniel loved God, and he knew God, and was secure in his faith, and he had no problem with their education or their dress or even the new name, but there was one boundary that he would not cross. In Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, it says, Then the king excuse me, ordered Ashpenaz, king of his court officials, chief of it, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Daniel had drawn a line at his diet. Understand, it wasn't so much the food that Daniel objected to Oh, although I'm sure some of the food would have been forbidden by the dietary laws God had given them in the Old Testament, more importantly, it's what the food symbolized in that culture and in that day. The meat and the wine would have been dedicated to pagan gods. Eating this food offered to pagan pagan gods was a symbolic way of surrendering their authority and their worship. 
And so you see at this level, the big hammer of compromise was now being swung against the wall of conviction. And the question is, would the wall hold or would it not? You and I face similar situations on any given day just like Daniel did in a very practical sense as we think about it. There were two parties in there that demanded something from Daniel, and he could not satisfy the demands of both of them. He would either surrender his life to the visible king, Nebuchadnezzar, or he would surrender his life to the invisible king, the God of the universe. And Jesus, we're reminded in the New Testament, says this, no man can serve two masters, but everyone is going to serve one. And in a real sense, the decision for Daniel was very easy. You know why? Because his decision had already been made. Daniel already knew his boundaries before he got to the point of the question and where his boundaries were. And you get to see a bit of this as you look at verse 8 where it says in Daniel chapter 1, but Daniel made up his mind. Daniel had already made up his mind long before he got to that place that the Bible says he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with wine which he drank. You need to understand it. You don't miss this. This is how you keep your life inside the boundaries. This is how success begins and ends in every single one of us. It begins with a decision. He knew the consequences long before he got there, and he understood them in his heart, in his mind, in that he had to address those before he got to it. He had already made up his mind, though. What motivated this decision? What motivated the decision of Daniel? How did he know where the boundary was? The answer is the will of God. Daniel knew hey, I know the will of God, and if I go do what they want me to do in that foreign culture, I am out of bounds in the will of God. Daniel knew that. He knew that inside of his heart and his mind. And one of the greatest things and the greatest boundary builders in life are our words. How many of you know that? That is one of the great boundary barriers that every single one of us have the power to do at every single moment. Words are powerful. As you know, in the physical world, a fence or some other kind of structure usually delineates a boundary. In the spiritual world, fences are invisible, but you can create a fence, a boundary around your life with words. So the most basic boundary setting word in your life is no. And we're going to just, we're going to just try that If some of you don't have margin, I'm going to help you develop some margin today by saying this word, two-letter word, no. Can you say it with me? No. That is a boundary-setting word. What sounds so harsh, it sounds so unpleasant, it is, no is very confrontational, isn't it? I mean, when we say the word no, you're piquing people's attention around you. It seems, wow, it's up front. The Bible makes it plain that there are times when we need to confront other people when they're wanting to cross a boundary and say, no, that behavior does not fit within the boundaries of your life. And you know what? You don't need to participate inside of that. 
You don't need to be a part of that. Because why? Well, you and I know the will of God. And we need to make it practical today by just asking ourselves this question. Have you ever thought about what the no's in your life are? What are the no's in your life today? What are the boundaries? What are the things you're saying no to right now? I'm not talking about tomorrow. Tomorrow you and I will probably be faced with the things we've already decided today. But there's a boundary line that I say no. What are your no's? Then there's a second man. As we look at, his name is Joseph, Genesis 39. A young man like Daniel, kidnapped, moved to a foreign land, yet he landed on his feet working in the home of a rich young man named Potiphar. Through no fault of his own, he's faced with a situation where he's tempted to cross a personal boundary. In verses 6 through 9, it says, So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. And with him there, he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? He certainly was not facing a situation unlike the things that you and I face every day, to cheat, to cheat on an expense report to cheat on your income taxes, to cheat on a business deal, to cheat on your spouse. You and I are going to have to decide how we will respond. But what drove his response? He clues us in in verse 9 where he says, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? How could I? I see this great evil. How could I sin against God? What drove his response was is clear. And I, I can't cross this boundary because I know the boundary line. And notice what he did in verses 10 through 12. And as he spoke to Joseph day after day, as she spoke to him day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. Joseph gives us a textbook illustration of how to make a boundary work for you. And that is sometimes physically removing yourself from a situation will help you maintain proper boundaries. Moving yourself outside of the scenario, the temptation, or the things that you are tempted to do, to move yourself physically away can help us in setting our boundary line. That you and I have to put limits on what we will do. See, Psalm 22 verse 3 says, the prudent sees the evil and hides himself. There's a hiding of ourselves and the prudent man, the person that's thinking introspectively, that's diligent in his heart. 
Boundaries help you see what is coming and that you need to get away from that. Then that's the point of this. And so you and I have to decide early on in our lives and what we're going to do long before we get there, way before it shows up on the radar. So we have to decide, we have to develop. And third, we need to devote ourselves to live within our boundaries. We need to devote ourselves. And every day we wake up, we look down the fairway of our life, there, there's always going to be this, two boundaries on either side, God's will and God's word. Two boundaries that are on every side of our life as we get up every single day, there's God's will and there's God's word, and we know that we need to play inside of those boundaries for the greatest blessing that God wants to place upon our lives. We understand that from the lives of many men and women throughout the word of the Lord. Your boundaries are there, and they need to be there. And, and there's always one thing that you and I can know about God, that God will always guide you down the middle of the fairway, and he will never, ever, ever take your life out of bounds. We just need to know that, that he is our best interest every single day. If you think about it, boundaries are really about self-control. We talked about that a few weeks in here, that, that uh, it is about self-control, that you and I have the ability on every single day with God's help, it's a fruit of the Spirit, to have self control. That's a fruit of who he is. Boundaries teach us that nobody can force us to choose anything against our will. That's why when we say, hey, inside of the no, I mean, we hear our kids say no to us more than anything else when they're little, right? They may be still saying it to you, even as, uh, you know, living in your house as a young person. But let me tell you something. It's very important that we teach our kids no, not to be in rebellion against us and to God, but we're saying no, and that's creating a boundary level in their life, like no, do not do that to me. No, do not touch me. No, I don't want to be a part of that. Are you with me? So no isn't all bad. We're creating a boundary level, and we're telling our kids no. No, don't do this. It's so important that we teach our kids the right boundary lines in our lives. Here's some questions. Have you set your boundaries? Have you set your boundaries today? It's a great exercise for every single one of us to do. Do you know what your boundaries are? What will you do in a certain circumstance and situation? Write out those. Share them. That's important. These are my boundaries. These are my boundaries in my financial, in my professional world, in my family, so that your professional boundaries do not interfere with your family boundaries. Also, have you shared them? I said that a moment ago. Let somebody else know around you, your spouse, your, your family, those that are around you that you care. Have you shown your boundaries. I know, I know one of the things is, is that even in our own lives that we've told our kids, hey, you can't date until you're 16 years of age. That's a rule in our home. And how many of you know if our kids live in our home, we can set boundaries for them? Amen. Amen. Yeah, we, we, need to, we need to get comfortable with that. We're a little bit uncomfortable with that in the day and age we live. Just let our kids run free. And I, Pastor, I can't understand why my kids run free in the day. They just do anything they want, and they want me to buy everything for them. Well, that's because you never said no to them while they were growing up. I mean, 
Do you think all of a sudden that when they leave the house or they're in your home, they're just going to get the word no? And it's just, no, you're going to have to do that early on. You're going to have to set boundary levels, boundary lines for them, right? Share them, set them, share them, show them where they should be and the things where the enemy will tempt them in and have you surrendered your boundaries to God. I think this is so key. It's so important that we set boundaries in our life, and it's so vital. But what we need to know is that you and I are called to set boundaries in our life on a consistent basis. And, and kind of I'll stay in this sports talk and sports realm for just a moment. Everybody likes a clutch hitter. I mean, we do. When you get the clutch hitter is the game and the guy who wins the game with a crucial hit when the score is close in the last few innings. It's like they pull through, they show up, or, or the guy who hits the game-winning shot with just a few seconds on the clock. They're clutch. We tend to think of certain great ball players who seem to pull the game out on a regular basis. But statistics reveal those players only exist in our minds. Studies done by premier baseball analyst Bill James, researchers for Stat Inc., have determined that the phenomenon of clutch hitters is a myth. Alan Barra, Alan Schwartz, sports writers for the Wall Street Journal, have noted when a hitter, what a hitter does in most clutch situations is pretty much what he does all the rest of the time. The statistics even reveal the top hitters in baseball actually average a 13-point drop in their overall batting average when the game is on the line. What occurs on the baseball diamond is no different than what happens in our lives every single day in every aspect. When things are tough, the person who comes through is generally the same person who consistently comes through day in and day out when things aren't so tough. The key is being consistent every single day. Consistency. That you live a consistent life before God. Every single one of us in this room can probably say without a doubt we've gone beyond the boundaries of our life more than once. We're like, I've learned a lesson from that. Some of you today, maybe in this room, like you're living beyond the boundaries. Your life's just spiraling out of control. Maybe you don't see it yet. I heard uh, Andy Stanley uh, do an interview once. Andy Stanley, pastors in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, North Point Church. He knew a guy in his church was having an affair with a woman. And he one-on-one engaged this man one-on-one. And he said, quite honestly, he said, tell me. How is that affair working out for you? It's a very revealing question. In the man's eyes, it wasn't going so well, not as good as he thought it was going. So how is that thing going for you today that you're out of bounds? How is that? How is that going? Whatever it may be. We'll have to answer that question. What I tell you today is inside of this room that we know that we're not here to condemn other people. It's time to get back up and dust yourself off and get back on where God has called you to be. It's time for you to get out of bounds and come back into bounds and be successful in the Lord's eye.
peace. Amen? That's the redemption we have in Jesus. That's it. So consistency every single day. It's not really the clutch. It looks great on the highlight reel. But they've studied it. It's the person who consistently does the right things day in and day out to make the difference and can really pull it out and be successful in what God's called us to do. So I just pray that we always keep our lives in the boundaries of God's word and God's will. That's why it's so important to know the word of God for all of us. Why? Because boundaries bring blessings. Boundaries bring blessings. So today, in a very practical sense, where, where do you need to, to uh, have a boundary? Where is it? It's a place that you're not, you don't have a boundary. Where is it you need to set that? What is one thing you can do this week to begin to create boundaries. And maybe you have a boundary in a certain area, but don't have a boundary in another. This book, I encourage you to read it because it helps you set up boundaries in all of your life, no matter what it is, and to do what God has called you to do. To really be able to come then today and sing, as we just sang, you know, about the peace of God. It can really rain, and not just words, but it's something you can just know today. You stand here clean and pure, and you can have the peace of God no matter what's going on around you. Amen? The peace of God, may it flood our souls today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you desire boundaries for us. Lord, we realize that we are limited. We are very, very limited, but you are unlimited. You are omnipotent. So, Father, take the things today we're struggling with, the things that are out of bounds, and that today we would come and we would, we would decide in our heart and we would develop them and we would be determined to do it, to set the boundary level, God, and that you would help us and that, that the fruit of your spirit and one of those great ones are self-control. We'd have self-control today. To not just run free and do whatever, but God, we can run free inside the boundaries that you have set for us. And that, Lord, we would know in your word that you said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. That we would be definitive today with all that we do and we say and who we are. Let other people see that and be example to the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Let's stand to our feet.